This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hey, this is Pete the Planner, USA Today money columnist and host of the Ask Pete the Planner podcast. When I'm not fixing the weirdest financial situations you've ever heard of, I'm stacking Benjamins. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and welcome to Planet Earth Stackers, because today is Duran Duran National Appreciation Day. I've saved a prayer for this day, and I'm sure you're hungry like the wolf for today's show, because we're going to talk about getting hardcore with your money. What are some of the seriously aggressive things you've done to save a buck or live a more frugal life? Joining us today to talk about it from the Notorious Financial Residency Podcast, we welcome special guest Ryan Inman. And from Afford Anything, no, her name isn't Rio, it's Paula Pant. And even if there were a new moon on Monday, he'd still be six feet underground in his bunker. Say hello to Len Penzo. But that's not all. We'll form the Union of the Snake to answer a listener question, and you'll probably come undone over my amazing trivia. And now, a guy who definitely has never been referred to as one of the wild boys of podcasting, Joe Saul Seahigh. I will try not to take offense to uh, Mr. Len Penzo, who is laughing as Doug said that. I'm definitely, look at me, lad. I, I am the original bad boy of podcasting. Dude, save a prayer for me now, right? Save a prayer. <laughs> this is going to be a train wreck already. It's devolving right now. <laughs> ah, that voice you hear, that is Len Penzo, un, deep under Los Angeles. How are you, man? I am just fine. It's the coolest place in town right now, let me tell you. And you know what? I'm going on vacation in two days, and I'm, guess where I'm headed? Where? The freaking desert. I thought the you were going to say desert as if it wasn't hot enough here. <laughs> That's where the Penzo's vacation. You know why? Yes. Cause, cause you get a deal. Right? Yeah, you do. They roll. That place is a ghost town in the summer, but Hey man, the prices are wonderful. It is yeah. perfect. It's, I can live like a rock star on a cheapo budget. It's like vacationing on the surface of the sun, but it's almost free. Almost. So it's great. <laughs> And let's go to somebody who's in the desert, also on my dad's shortwave, is our friend Paula Pant from Afford Anything. Today is what we call cool weather, which means it's only 104, as opposed <laughs> to those days when it's been 111. But you know what? There's no humidity, so it's not that hot. That is absolutely true. I would way rather be in 110 degree heat with no humidity than 90 degree heat with tons of humidity. It's funny because I was laughing people talk about that, but there's seriously been days here in Texarkana where it's 96 degrees and I can walk and swim at the same time. It's so awesome. 
<laughs> it's, like, it's like I'm doing a triathlon every time I walk out to the mailbox. Good stuff. And a guy who also, Paula, not far from you, and he's here to save the entire podcast. Thank goodness he's finally here from the Financial Residency Podcast is our good friend, Ryan Inman. Where, where is he at? Who's saving the podcast? <laughs> he's like, oh, no. Speaking, oh, we're, no. speaking we're of podcasting on, on the uh, on the face of the sun here, still in Vegas, and it is 105 and a dry heat, and it doesn't matter. It's still hot. It is still hot. But it's terrible. talk about hot. Your podcast is hot. It's a bad transition, but tell, tell everybody about your show. No, you, you crushed it, wizard of podcasting. <laughs> That's right. Thank you. He's already sarcastic. He's been on the hey, show for 10 works, seconds, right? and there it goes. Yeah. But tell everybody oh, cool. about I, the show. Yeah, I appreciate it. So Financial Residency is a podcast dedicated to helping physicians understand their finances. They go through all this training, dozens of years of training, and never take a class in finance, don't understand maybe even how to balance a checkbook or anything, even if that actually exists, not sure yet. But help people out, understand uh, how finance works. And I tend to look at it as we go about three feet deep and a mile long. So you know, hopefully, you know, a big holistic view of how finance works in a, in a fun setting. Well, we love the show and I'm glad you're here with us. By the way, you know, you talk about uh, people saving money. You know how people can really save money, Ryan? How's that? They can save money by having better razors that are about half the price of those ones in the drugstore. How about that? Thanks to Harry's for supporting Stacky Benjamins. Harry stands behind the quality of their blades, but they know switching razors is not an easy decision. So they created a trial offer. Claim yours by going to harrys.com forward slash SB. Mr. Penzo, I seriously love my Harry's razor. Do you shave your head with a Harry's razor? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and the pause was included in the answer, right? I love it, Joe. It is the best. It Harry's is. is absolutely the best. I shave my face too sometimes. You will sell your soul for Harry's razor. Actually, I totally would because I love it. The shaving gel is incredible. But also what's incredible, magnifymoney.com. I almost forgot, but you had a second sponsor. Magnify Money is the place where you save $450 by looking at those same bank products that you use every single day, like your checking account, savings account, those credit cards, loans. Stop paying the man so much interest. Head to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash magnify money. Well, we've got a fantastic show for you today. We've got a great piece by a gentleman who's a good friend of ours, Mr. J Money over at Budgets Are Sexy. So let's get the party started. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show, our Stacking Benjamins headlines. Our headline today is from the awesome blog, Budgets Are Sexy. This is written by our friend J Money. Things I've never been hardcore enough to try. And he's got seven of them, I believe. And I thought we'd take these in order and then we'll talk about things that you might wish that you tried that you haven't tried before. Number one is using cash only for an entire month. Let me see if I can get this right. I would bet of the three of you that Paula, you might have tried this before. No, never. Never. I'm addicted to credit card rewards. But you never said, let's just spend cash, just what's in your wallet? No. I mean, well, in a foreign country where they don't accept credit cards or where credit cards are uncommon, then I, I suppose I've spent foreign currency only, foreign cash only as a matter of, not as a matter of choice though, just as a function of my environment. Ryan, you ever try to go cash only? I'm the type of guy that doesn't even bring cash with me. My wallet is my phone and I'm, I'm good. So no, I don't know. I mean, if we're getting rid of cash, I mean, let's go get rid of my cell phone and just bring back landlines. I just, that's all I use now. <laughs> Might but as well, right? But that's funny you say that because it's the same for me. Everybody's seen the study that when you use 
cash, you tend to spend less money. But for me, if there's any cash in my wallet, Ryan, I'm like you, if there's cash in my wallet, I will spend it. If there's no cash in my wallet and it's just cards, I don't spend money. Len, tell me, are you the one guy who's done this? I have used cash only for an entire month at gas stations, but that's it. Just to get the 2% uh, discount. Of course. (laughs) On your way to the desert with your family on vacation. I am the opposite of you, Joe. I will have, the honeybee will put $60 in my wallet and three months later I'll have $60 in my wallet. So I don't even use the cash in my wallet. I'm like Paula in that respect. That's credit cards for everything. But, Cha-ching! But, get those rewards. Well, and studies show, though, if you spend cash, you do spend less money, Len. Well, I okay. Yeah, I can see that for a lot of people. Absolutely. I mean, hey, the cash is a limiting factor, right? When the cash is out of your wallet, you can't buy anything else, right? You can't say, hey, trust me, I'm good for it. So, yeah, it works if you want to use that as a limiting, as a, as a helper. It, it, it sounds like, Paula, you don't even like the idea of this, though. Um, I just credit card rewards are so great. And if you're the type of person who has gotten into trouble with credit cards, if you have a a debt problem, then absolutely get rid of the credit cards. But otherwise, why not get 2% cash back or get some frequent flyer miles, get something. It's kind of like having an automatic discount every time you spend. Number two on this list is selling your wife's engagement ring. I'll bet the honeybees all for that. (laughs) All right. So I came across this article earlier and I actually ran this by the honeybee. And I said, hey, did you – because I wasn't aware of this. Apparently, Jay Money says that people are selling their wives' wedding rings to get the extra cash. So I asked her, I said, would you be willing to sell your wedding ring? And she said, no. But she said, you know what I would be willing to do? Have you stand out on the off-ramp of a freeway and sell oranges? (laughs) So that was her response. So now we know where Len is this weekend. (laughs) (laughs) If you're by the 405 – in LA. <laughs> That's me selling oranges, folks. You see Len. They're delicious. <laughs> Making a couple extra bucks and the honeybees, you know, it's getting some time alone. So out of the question. Yeah. Uh, Ryan, how about you? You guys ever talk about selling your wife's engagement ring? So no, because I'm intelligent enough to know that that would get me actually kicked out of the house and I'll be joining Len selling oranges. But We are moving and I was looking at at some rates and saying like, hey, honey, like we could not pay the jewelry insurance. And just if you lost it, we'd get something a whole lot less than what it is. Would that be okay? And she just said, absolutely not. I want something, the same thing. And I'm like, ah, okay, I can't save a couple hundred bucks there. So I ended up having to get the insurance. So if I told her we were going to actually sell her ring, I really would be joining Len. Not good. But Ryan, I, you don't know Len that well, but I could totally see Len at like 2.30 in the morning. The honeybee's like, what are you doing? As he's prying it off her finger. It's like, why are you waking me up? What do you do with my with my left hand? Nothing. Uh, number three. Good night, honey. Right. Going down to a one car, no car family. We've thought about this before, selling a car and just having one car. Len, how about you? I uh, talked about it briefly, but it impossible, especially with four kids, you know, so I've got to, if you count the kids right now, we got four cars and you know what? I got a two car garage. You ever do? So we're for the last year and a half, we've been doing the four car shuffle in the morning. It's like, OK, one person has to back their car out so the guy in the garage can pull his car out so we can. What a pain in the butt. But no. Paula, this Can't is, do it. well, this is a great way to save money, though. I mean, Paula, this is the number two biggest expense most families have. Have you thought about this? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think it depends on where you live and the way in which you work. But if you work from home or live in an area that has good public transit or good pedestrian or bicycle trails, 
I think it's a fantastic way to save money. Yeah, I was talking to Joel Larsgaard from Poor Not Poor about Atlanta and about how a lot of people commute on this. Well, Paula, you probably know this thing. This The Beltline, yeah. Yeah, how cool the is that? The fantastic. It's really easy to get around. If you live in around the Beltline in any of the in-town neighborhoods, you just bike on the Beltline or walk on the Beltline, depending on how close you are. So yeah, certainly if you've got one person who lives and works on the Beltline and another person who works from home, something like that, it'd be very easy to have just one car. And then you avoid all of the Atlanta traffic, which is even better. I bet the Beltline makes housing prices go up that are on it or around it. It does over time, for sure. But the other thing is, if something's expensive, you buy less of it, right? So when square footage is expensive, you can pay the same amount but live in a smaller place. Right. Oftentimes when people say that something is expensive, what they they're comparing 2000 square feet in the suburbs to 2000 square feet in the city. But if you compare 2000 square feet way out there to 700 square feet in the city, you can still pay the same amount. Ryan, have you ever given this advice for somebody sell a car, uh, reduce your your auto costs? No, I haven't really given the advice, but my wife wanted a, a nice new car and uh, it was, well, you work from home now, you don't need a car. And I'm like, well, who's going to get the kids to school? Are you doing that? Because I give up my car if you're willing to to help out a little bit like that. But no, we, we can't do it. We just don't live in a great area for it. Uh, we need a car for, for that. I'd love to figure out how people actually make this work. I know sometimes it's out of necessity, but the ones that like can actually make this work by choice, kudos to you and please tell me how you did it. When I was a little kid, my parents had only one car and my dad just rode the bus to work. And then my mom had the car for taking me around. I was so interested when you first told me that story, Paula. It's so cool of your dad to do that. Yeah, I thought so too, because it was Cincinnati, Ohio, which is a very terrible public transportation city. So it's uncommon there for a person to take the bus. But my dad wanted my mom to have the ability to take me around so that she could go to the grocery store and she could take me to the park. So since he was always going to the same consistent place every day from home to his office and then back... He developed a bus route and just wrote, you know, he knew exactly what time he needed to leave the house, what time he needed to be at the bus stop. So he just developed a routine around that. That is very cool. I started riding my bike to work for a while and it was it was super fun to do. Uh, number so, f- so Paula, Paula, so you're saying your dad was the chauffeur? No, my dad was a bus rider. Oh, my dad well. rode the bus. He rode the public bus to get to work and back. And so then my mom had the car because we were a one car family. So my mom had the car so that she and I could uh, have the car. That was a, a really bad way of me trying to get another Duran Duran tune in there. The chauffeur. Uh-huh. Uh, sorry, Joe. You can edit that and post. Swing and a miss. Oh, no. We're going we're gonna to leave that in there because that was comedy gold. Maybe in an ordinary world. People people might learn something on this show now. Whoa, watch out for that. Number four is cloth diapers. I read this and wondered if Len, Len, you wearing cloth diapers while we do this? (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Comfort, baby. It's all about comfort. (laughs) I I think we'll, I think we'll skip the cloth diaper thing, but number, number five, moving somewhere dirt cheap. And seriously, in you know, Texarkana, we were able to buy a lot of house. We have a lot of uh, expenses that are a lot, a lot lower. Have you guys ever thought about that? Moving to Texarkana? No, living somewhere cheap. Yeah, come on, Len. <laughs> uh, see, I thought we were doing this because the cloth diapers was like the next sponsor. I was confused. 
This is this is brought to you by Huggies. <laughs> so it might this not show be... is kind of <laughs> <laughs> every episode. Yeah. I mean, I live in Vegas, which is a cheap place. It's not like dirt, dirt cheap. I'm sure there are cheaper parts of the country, but by major city standards, Vegas is very cheap. Especially downtown Vegas, because the tables are, you can get $2 blackjack still there, can't you? <laughs> I have no idea what the gambling costs. <laughs> yeah, Paul, Paula gets a comp lunch every day. <laughs> <laughs> and, all, and free drinks, too. That's right. <laughs> uh, Len, have you ever thought about moving somewhere cheap? I've had relatives who have actually moved from California to Mississippi precisely because they couldn't make it here and they're thriving. I think I've told that story before. Yeah. But yeah. I, I, and I've thought of it myself, but no, I, I'm not moving. Ryan, you, you ever think about moving somewhere where prices are way low? Yeah. So I grew up in Orange County, California, where prices are ridiculously high and then went to school in San Diego. And when uh, we decided to start my own business and my wife was finishing fellowship, we decided to move to Vegas. So we're close to Paula here. And like she said, it's not the cheapest place, but in terms of a major city. I mean, it's pretty affordable here. I mean, it's a third the cost or half the cost for housing that did, it is in Orange County. Did she choose to work there partly because it was cheaper? Actually, it was the other way. I chose to move here. My whole family lives here. So we chose to move back, get some help, start the business, do all that. And now we're moving back to high cost living area. Man, thing number six on Jay Money's list here, getting rid of all my stuff. I have to tell you, all of our stuff right now is in pods waiting for us to to move to Detroit. And I flip and love it. Like I haven't had my stuff for what, about four, a month now, about the three and a half weeks, four weeks. And I absolutely love it. Len, you ever think about just getting rid of your stuff? Yeah. And I do that to a fault. I, I'm one of those people. I don't like to keep anything. I try to keep, I am, I already live a minimalist lifestyle and sometimes it's to a fault. I will get rid of things that I wish I hadn't got rid of. So yes, it is true freedom when you don't have a lot of stuff. Like your wife's engagement ring. <laughs> exactly. Exactly my thought. Uh, Ryan, you? I, I kind of look at this as we're in the process of it with the move, right? So, I mean, you're moving, you know, pods and things like that. So we do kind of like that moving purge, if you will. But uh, I think it definitely helps when I send my wife minimalist videos off Facebook. I'm like, Connie, read this. Look at this. Oh, look. Stuff's leaving the house. This is so nice. It's getting donated. It's just insidious. Uh, just, I'm just hoping it doesn't come back and be like, oh, I gave rid of this. So we got this one. I'm like, ah, no. <laughs> but uh, I look at it as I couldn't get rid of everything, but I'm definitely in the process of getting rid of a lot of stuff. It's quite me, nice. Uh, oh, me too. I, I took so many trips to charities as we left and I felt so good. It, it was fantastic. Uh, great time doing it. Paula, I know this is, I can see you nodding your head over the short way. <laughs> I enjoy not having a lot of stuff. It's not just the financial benefit. There's also a certain mental decluttering that happens in, in that sense that your mind is a reflection of your surroundings. So getting rid of stuff is often cathartic. And of course, Jay Money has to end it with, with a funny one. And it's uh, shaving his head. Paulie, thinking about shaving your head? Absolutely not. Oh, come on. <laughs> no way. No, you'd be the new Sinead O'Connor. <laughs> nope. Nope. Not happening. Paula, by the way, has no idea who Sinead O'Connor is. She's looking it up I, on I totally right do now. know who she is. She's, <laughs> She's uh, right Miley Cyrus uh, said something mean about her once. Oh, did she really? I think so, yeah. Oh, that's not nice. It's not nice at all. Uh, Len, you're a guy that uh, decided to shave your head. A long time ago. Let's see. How long has my head been shaved? Uh, let's see. My daughter was like two and it traumatized her the day I did it. 16 years I've, I've had a shaved head. 
Thanks, Harry's. <laughs> and uh, no, I love it. It is awesome. Men do it. It's cooler in the summer. It's really the maintenance free. It's so easy, maintenance free. And I never really thought of this from a money standpoint. This is what gets me. I used to get a haircut like every six weeks. Shoot, I don't know. What are haircuts nowadays? I mean, I guess you can get a cheap $10 haircut, but I mean, that's a lot of money. Right. Just shave your head. So, and you just use Harry's razors instead. See, Len does get all of his stuff, get rid of all his stuff, including his <laughs> his hair. It's like, you know, I got to get rid of this. That's got to that's gotta go. I do. It's in the way. Uh, let's do this. I like the theme of this article where you're thinking about being a little bit more hardcore about something. Is there anything financially, Ryan, that you've thought, you know, I'd love to be hardcore about X that you haven't done yet, but you're excited to try? Well, one thing is I see it with the clients a lot and it came to the self-realization, like having more than one bank. You guys are talking about a lot of like physical clutter and this is maybe a few years back, but I had like four banks. Yeah. One has, I open it up so I can get a safety deposit box. The other one had my checking account that was easy. I can go into a physical bank. The other had my high yield savings. All of a sudden craps everywhere and it's like overwhelming. It's like, well, where did that come from? Or what do I need to move here? Transfer there. So one of the things that uh, I ended up doing is I just went all to one bank. And I use a one bank for everything and it was able to declutter and everything. I didn't think I was going to be able to do it because I like, maybe this is the old fashioned part is like, I kind of like going into the bank, even though I don't use cash, deposit check or whatever. And uh, yeah, it's one of those things that just had to do it. And it's, I'm happy I did it. You can tell Ryan works from home because he likes just going to talk to people. <laughs> like, yeah. like, Hi there. Just, just one friends. Jeez. I feel so bad. Cheryl comes home at the end of the day and she's tired and she's like the first person I've talked to all day that's not online. And so I'm chatting her head off and she's like, oh, please go away. Right. <laughs> Len, how about you? Something you were thinking about being more hardcore about? Well, this is too hardcore. This is another thing that would get me on the offer. I'm selling even more oranges because, uh, but I, what I would really like to try once is, is that dumping the satellite and the TV and, and uh, just going kind of off grid in that regard for at least a month just to try it. I don't know how much that would say. I mean, if I did that all year long, oh my God, I would save a fortune. But uh, yeah, I, I would like to try that. We did Does that, that include internet? <laughs> well, I can't. I can't stop the internet. Can't stop the internet. Anything, but everything else though, all the other stuff. And that includes, oh, you got that. That you includes that. phones. That includes just keep our hardline phone, get, get rid of all the, all of that stuff. Yep. I would like to try that for a month just to see how everybody copes. When I was in eighth grade, we got rid of our TV for two years and uh, my grades went, wow. my grades went through the roof. That's where my addiction to board games started because we play games as a family, which was really fun. Awesome. You know, so our family really started having fun together. And to this day, we have family gatherings. Everybody plays games, but it's specifically Len because of what you're talking about. We weren't all sitting, staring at a box. Instead, we had to entertain each other. So yeah, I mean, I would like, I really would like to try that, but I, I don't think I'll never get buy-in on that, but. Paula, what's, yeah, Paula, what's your next hardcore experiment? Well, I've been thinking about just packing everything into a backpack and going traveling. I mean, I suppose that's kind of hardcore, but it's also a good way to live cheaply. When, when you're traveling, cost of living can be significantly cheaper than it is when you're staying put. I found that as I've gotten older, I've migrated to more and more expensive lodgings. And I want to mm -hmm. go back to camping. And I know for some people listening to this, that's nothing. That's like, uh. but for me, just going on camping trips, I think is is exactly where my head is. I was so jealous, Paula, to see pictures of you getting ready for your big speech at World Domination Summit out there camping. I'm like, I totally want to do that. 
Oh, yeah, that's exactly how I did it. I, I needed to get rid of distractions so that I could practice for that speech. So I drove out to Yosemite, camped in a campground for eight nights, slept in the back of my car. And every night I would light a campfire and I would deliver the speech to the campfire. That's so that great. was how I practiced for that speech. That's so great. It's amazing. Uh, I will link to this piece, Jay Money's piece. Thanks, Jay Money, for writing it on our show notes page at stackingbenjamins.com. Well, I'm super excited to introduce you to our next guest who's upstairs talking to mom. It's it's funny. This is somebody who people in our closed Facebook group, The Basement, have been requesting that we talk to. And I'm so excited we finally have her coming down here because there's this person, Paula Pant, who you know really well upstairs. Her name's Kat Berman. You familiar with Kat Berman? Yeah, I love Kat. Kat is the CEO of a company called C-Note that Paula knows really well. She's a three-time entrepreneur with experience launching and building scalable business. Before she launched C-Note, she served as managing director at Charles Schwab, this little company. I don't know if you ever heard of that company, <laughs> right? Oh, you know, I, I think I think they've, uh, I've heard their name once or twice. Yeah, Ryan, you know little that guy? Chuck, two buck Chuck. Yeah, you know that guy, Chuck Schwab, Ryan? Yeah, he's an okay guy. Yeah, nice cool. dude. Where she led a, a strategy division focused on the future of finance, incorporating behavioral economics and predictive analytics. Her previous company, Global Brigades, is now the world's largest student development firm operating in five countries. I'm a big fan of all the stuff Kat Berman does. And let's say hello to Kat coming down to the basement. I don't think I've had somebody who's come down that people have requested more than this person. Kat Berman, how are you? I am well. Great to be here. Everybody's requesting C-Note. So apparently the word's out about you. We love hearing that. <laughs> so tell me, I love hearing origin stories, Kat. Tell me about how C-Note was created. Absolutely. This goes back to when I was working in a major financial services firm, one I think most of your listeners would be very familiar with. I was managing director, and one night I'm sitting on my sofa looking at my online accounts, and I realized that I've got a bunch of cash sitting in one of my savings accounts. And what I thought was interesting was this cash was not earmarked for anything. It wasn't my emergency fund. It wasn't, you know, something I was saving for, a trip or anything. This was literally cash sitting there collecting dust. And so I started thinking this is like forgotten dollars, right? These are dollars that were just sitting there doing nothing. So that's embarrassing. I'm managing director of a major financial services right. firm, and, and here I have got forgotten dollars. But, you know, when I got over the embarrassment, I started getting curious. I thought to myself, well, if I'm doing this and I work in finance, who else is doing this? And this is where it got really interesting. So I started researching it. And what I found was I was very much not alone. In fact, millions of Americans do the same thing where we set aside cash and we forget about it. We just leave it on the sides in a savings or checking account. And if your money is in a traditional bank, you're probably feeling that pain where you're earning close to 0%. And so that kind of sideline cash is not small change. It actually amounts to over 300 billion with a wow. B, 300 billion dollars in cash sits in the sidelines in these kind of 0% or 1% cash alternatives. And so that's when I had that aha moment of, man, we could do better than that. We could absolutely do better than that. And so what would it take to move those sideline dollars into something that earned us a lot more, right? That did, did better <laughs> for our hard-earned dollars. And so 
I brought in a friend of mine who, former Wall Street professional, created financial products around the world, and her and I started brainstorming, you know, what type of product would we want to see if we could start from scratch? And we really came down to three core attributes. Number one, competitive returns, right? We work so hard for our money. How do we put our cash to work in a vehicle that really earns us a lot more, right, than zero or one percent? Number two, simplicity. And I think a lot of us listening can attest to one of the reasons we have forgotten dollars or we don't move our cash is, you know, there's not easy ways to do it. It's frustrating to open a new account and then you have to take the time and you have to set it up. And, you know, many of us just don't want to spend the time doing it. So if we were going to create something, it had to be super simple. Literally, you're sitting on your couch or in your morning commute and do it from your phone. And then three, it was important for us to have something that was values aligned. You know, in this this time in history, looking back at some of the scandals we've seen in financial services, we really wanted to create something that had transparency, had integrity, and put the dollars to work in a way that was meaningful. So those three things ended up being kind of the core principles of how CNET was founded. How do we create financial products that are competitive, earn you more, that are simple, and that are aligned with your values. And that's how we started. That's pretty wild. And to your point, I'm on the board of a nonprofit because of the fact that it's a community-based nonprofit building walking trails around Texarkana. We bank with local institutions who support us. Awesome. But here's the bad part. We went in to open up a new account with some local bank. And I swear to God, after talking to people like you, Kat, these people, I feel like they're in like the business prevention society. It was, it was so difficult. (laughs) It was so, so difficult to open an account. And I kept thinking about talking to you to set this thing up and thinking about how easy C-Note is. It just, so much of this could be easier. Agreed. And I think it's a barrier in financial services that we often discount. We don't recognize that, you know, people don't wake up in the morning going, hey, you know, where should I move my money today? Most Americans don't. And so how do we make people, how do we make it easier for folks to do something smart and really improve their financial health? And I think it's up to us, those of us who are designing new financial products to make it that simple and make it that automated and make it easy to do something good for your pocketbook. Let's talk about how it works then. Let's just walk through C-Note. So how do I get started? Sure. You know, back to our central tenet of simplicity, it's three steps. And so in less than three minutes, you can move your dollars into a higher earning cash alternative. You start with how much money do you want to start with? You know, a key piece for us at CNOTE was let's make this available to everybody, right? Because one of the things I observed when I was working in financial services is we created an awful lot of products for those who are already earning a lot, you know, the kind of highest echelon in our country. And so all of our financial products are accessible to the mass market. So for example, this first cash alternative, there are no minimums, right? So you can start with five bucks if you want. You can start with five million if you want, and there's no fees. And so first step is you go online, mycino.com, choose how much you want to start with. Again, no minimum. Second step, create a profile. Third step, link your account. You're done. You're now earning more than you were yesterday. Can I set up an automatic investment to it so that it automatically puts money in every month, every week, every whatever I want? Absolutely. We've got monthly recurring deposits. You can set up a trust account. You can set up a business account. Um, all kinds of good stuff. You can usually even do a self-directed IRA if you'd like. Now, it says on your site the day that we're recording this, it says 2.5% is the interest that you're paying. Obviously, interest rates are going up. How and why and when would that change? Or is that a static interest rate that I'm receiving? Yeah, the good news is we really mean it when we say competitive. So we want to make sure that we are always leading the pack when it comes to competitive returns. 
And so that 2.5% will be going up. Um, as you know, interest rates have already gone up. You probably haven't seen much of a difference in your traditional bank account, but we believe you know, as interest rates rise, we certainly want to stay competitive. So the beauty is our business model works very similarly to other financial institutions that as interest rates rise, we also can charge more on our cash to capital, which means we can pass more of that return to you. That's exciting. But let's talk about what drives it under the hood. You're taking this money and, uh, well, explain what you're doing with it. Yeah. So how do we do a two and a half percent return <laughs> when everybody else is doing one percent or less? Right. Or if you're lucky, you're getting a little bit more. So that's probably the coolest part of our business, I would say, is we generate this return by investing in this little known but highly successful asset class called CDFIs. And the simplest way to think about them is they're U.S. Treasury certified nonprofit lenders. So these are folks that have been around for over 20, 30 years. Every major bank is already using them. And they've got an incredibly strong financial performance. In fact, these CDFIs actually outperformed FDIC institutions in the last recession and ever since. The trick here was you and I, Joe, could not access them readily before CNO. So large banks could, foundations could, but the average uh, saver, the average investor could not. And so that's really what we've been able to do with our technology is unlock this proven do-good asset class for all of us. And when you talk about a do-good asset class, explain what you mean by that. Yeah. So if you think about a nonprofit community lender, what are they up to, right? What's their mission? Their central mission is to invest in things like schools, community centers, women-led businesses, affordable housing. So all the things that are in our community that we love and prize and want to see more of, that's where they're spending their time. Those are the investments they're making to keep our communities strong and to invest in those underserved communities that are being largely ignored by other financial institutions. Is a CNO account then, is it FDIC insured? So we're not a depository institution. And so as you know, only depository institutions, large banks, for example, get FDIC. So we do, though, take protecting money very, very seriously. So the good news is all of these CDFIs that we work with are trusted, proven, and have a track record of financial performance. The deposits are going into this. They're being diversified. And then on top of that, we have three layers of what we call principal protection to safeguard those deposits even more. All of this information is flushed out on our website, but the high of overview is number one, legal obligation to get your dollars back. So we have a full recourse obligation with these CDFIs. Second, state and federal guarantee programs to cover losses. And then third, we even have our own loss reserve. So three levels of safeguarding on top of a proven asset class. Yeah. And I like how you go over it on the website. And by the way, for everybody, if you're driving down the road or walking the dog or whatever, we'll have a link to C-Note on our show notes page at stackybenjamins.com, which by the way, is at mycnote.com. Uh, let's talk about ongoing communication, that type of thing. Do people just log on whenever they want? Do you send us statements? I mean, how do I check on my account? Yeah, we do the traditional and the non-traditional. So traditional-wise, we give you monthly account statements so you can see how your money is going to work. We even compare it to your old bank account so you can feel awesome. really good about how <laughs> much right. more money you're earning. And then in those monthly statements, we also include impact reports, right? Because we think it's important, you know, where your money's sleeping at night and how it's being invested. And it's pretty inspiring when you hear some of these stories. And then we also give a quarterly impact report on top of that. So you're getting, again, the financial performance as well as the impact. But one thing we love and get we get to do that's a little bit non-traditional 
is get very specific about some of these borrower stories. One of the ones we highlighted in a recent quarterly report was a woman borrower who benefited from C-Note Investments. She's a four-time cancer survivor that used the dollars that she borrowed from CDFIs to start her first company. She ended up building that company, hiring people, and then ended up paying back by hiring um, women in the underserved part of Kilimanjaro to be part of her supply chain. So it's one of these do-good all-around stories that these were just savings deposits, right? These were just dollars that in my account were making, you know, 0% sitting on the sidelines. Now by investing in C-Note, those dollars ultimately get to support amazing women entrepreneurs and affordable housing and just a lot of the great community projects that I like to see. Kat, how do you go to work every day with negative stories like that? Yeah, right? It's a tough job, man. <laughs> right? <laughs> I love what I do. Yeah, that would be awesome. Uh, uh, two more questions. Of course, you talked about security with the money, obviously people's financial information, that type of thing. Can you talk more about, about that, people's information and your security levels at C-Note? Absolutely. So bank level security, highest level of encryption. We have a whole security and risk team on board and phenomenal advisors as it relates to that. So no, that is um, highest, highest priority to keep your information safe. And we also don't store it. So when we do link, um, it's very important for us to make sure the information is not only encrypted, but that the door is closed once you've provided it. Gotcha. And then my last question, how do you guys make money? And I'm guessing it's Two and a half percent goes out to the investor, but you keep a little bit for yourself? That's correct. So just like any kind of deposit arrangement, we can charge a cost of capital to these CDFIs and the spread that we make on top of that two and a half percent, right, that we're charging, that we're providing you is what we get back as a firm. And I would be remiss if I didn't ask, because when you talked about C-Note, you, were, you didn't talk about a place to save money at two and a half percent. You talked about products and services available to a range of people. So I'm guessing... There's more to come. That's correct. So, you know, we start with cash because, again, $300 billion sitting on the sideline collecting mm-hmm. dust is a big opportunity. So whether that money is just your, you know, money I forgot about or it's the money you're saving for your first home, you know, or it's your next big trip, right? Whatever that big chunk of cash is you have, we think this is a great place, a much better place to, to park that cash. But we'd be remiss if we stopped there, right? Because if you think about the world that we really could build, it's rethinking financial products. It's rethinking what they can do and who they can serve. And so by taking what we know as conventional products, like a savings account or a CD or a fixed income, deconstructing it and then saying, how do we get you a better return? How do we make sure it's values aligned? And how do we make it so simple to say yes? We actually have a whole suite of products ready to go to create that path for you. Awesome. I can't wait to see it. Kat, thanks for hanging out here with us in the basement and explaining C-Note to us. Yeah, great to connect, Joe. Thanks for having me. Hey there, trivia nerds. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. And while the reflex on this show is to make dumb jokes about Duran Duran song titles, I'm not going to suck up to anyone for a view to that kill because, well, I don't want your love. What I want today is to gift all of you in an ordinary world some extraordinary trivia about Duran Duran. Here goes. How many songs from Duran Duran reached number one on the USA charts? I'll be back with the answer after I see if there's something I should know from Joe's mom. All right, backstage. Ryan, we explained the game and the score right now in our current season, season one of this 
never ending game is Paula three. She's a big winner from last time. Len two and OG two. You're playing on behalf of OG. Congratulations. So that means you get to choose first. If you want to guess first, if you want to guess in the middle or guess last. I'll go last. All right. Len, you want to go in the middle or go first? Uh, I want to go in the middle and I want to have Paula play for me. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. All right, Paula, that means you're up. Duran Duran, how many songs reach number one on the USA charts? I'm going to guess seven. All right. Because it's the first number that popped into my head. (laughs) Great number. Ryan, Paula is either super analytical or just throws the dart. And today is the dart, I think. We all know that pop culture is not my forte. It is. When she heard Duran Duran, she's like, oh, God, no. Exactly. I do know the song Hungry Like the Wolf. Nice. So I'm going to pat myself on the back for that. Good work. Len, how about you? You know what? This is my time of life. This is when, you know. This is it. Duran. This is it, man. The 80s and maybe a little bit of the early 90s there. But uh, I can't tell you which one. How many hit number one? I don't think there's that many, to be quite honest with you. I'm going to say four. Four. So we got seven. We got four. Ryan, it's all you, man. Price is right. I'm going to go with eight. Sorry, Paula. (laughs) 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 Paula's right if it's seven. So, all right. (laughs) Thanks to Harry's for supporting Stacky Benjamins. I am effusive about my praise of Harry. So I started off with their awesome shaving gel and their starter kit. And we'll get back to the starter kit because we've got a great offer for that for everyone listening to Stacky Benjamins. But I really, but I really like the five blade shave. I super love the shaving gel, as I said. In fact, I like the five blade shave so much that I even upgraded to the even heavier razor with the heavier handle. And I'll tell you at first, I had to kind of change my approach a little bit because with five blades, you want to lay the blade more across your face than you do with the three blades. And I know, welcome to the shaving podcast. My name is Joe, but I got to tell you, I absolutely love it. Harry's founders, this is how it started. They were fed up with overpaying for expensive razors and unnecessary features. It's funny how much we talk about don't overpay on the show and about unnecessary bells and whistles in your financial plan. Same thing, but applied to razors when it came to Harry's. And they knew that a great shave comes down to great blades made with sharp, durable steel that last. And so they bought a factory that's been making some of the highest quality blades in the world for over 95 years. And because they're selling it directly to you over the internet, instead of through stores, they can offer their blades at a price much lower than the drugstores. If you don't love your shave, let Harry's know within 30 days and they'll give you a full refund. But I got to tell you, I dig it. So get a $13 value trial set that comes with everything you need for a close, comfortable shave. This is the trial set. It's a weighted ergonomic razor handle, a five blade razor with a lubricating strip and a trimmer blade, that shave gel. I can't say enough about and a travel blade cover so you don't cut yourself digging through your bag looking for your razor stacky benjamin's friends can redeem their trial set at harrys.com forward slash sb make sure you go to harrys.com forward slash sb if you're redeeming your offer to let them know that as mom says we sent you and you help support the show stacky benjamin's is also presented by magnify money 
You know, it's funny. A lot of people don't know all the things you can do at Magnify Money when you head to stackybedjamins.com forward slash Magnify Money. Not only are they great for looking at checking accounts and savings accounts, first of all, with checking accounts that get rid of all those ridiculous fees you'll get at your brick and mortar bank, but also savings accounts that pay much higher than your brick and mortar bank give you. But when you're trying to get rid of the man and you're trying to have a great debt strategy, that's where Magnify Money comes in great because not only can you look up balance transfers to pay less on your cards, you can look up 0% interest credit cards, or let's face it, if you're somebody that shouldn't have credit cards, that was me at one point, cut up those cards and instead personal loans, small business loans, get rid of paying credit, move to an all cash lifestyle until you get it figured out. Then once you get it figured out, cashback reward plans are out there and higher CD rates so that you can maximize your savings and maximize your rewards. Also much more including of course, their top-rated blog uh, run by our friend Mandy Woodruff, not only with Magnify Money, but also from the Brown Ambition podcast. StackyBenjamins.com forward slash Magnify Money, the easiest place to go to compare, ditch, switch, and save. All right, so here's what we've got. Paula says seven... Len says four. Ryan comes over the top with eight to squash Paula. Doug, what do we got? Hey there, trivia fans. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I'm serious about getting you your trivia answer to this question. How many songs from Duran Duran reached number one on the USA charts? While Duran Duran has released an incredible 14 studio albums, three remix albums, two live albums, four compilation albums, two box sets, five EPs, 39 singles, and 14 video albums on various record labels, and they've sold over 100 million records. Only twice have they reached the top of the USA charts. The first time was for The Reflex, and the second was for the James Bond anthem, A View to a Kill. Got them right? If so, go grab your members-only jacket and a big comb, because you're a true fan of the 80s. See ya. Oh. What? Swing and a miss. Never saw that coming. (laughs) I didn't think it was that many, but boy, that's really pretty poor. Two? Yeah, when you said not that many, I thought maybe Len's going to get this one. But you think. I figured like hungry. Okay, so I figured like hungry like the wolf. And Rio, and I think Ordinary World was really big back in the early '90s, and maybe one more. Yeah, but yeah. Do you have the? Do you know which ones? Which two? Yeah, it was. Uh, Doug just said them. Um, oh, <laughs> <laughs> that's how much lead pays attention. Do I have to pay attention and participate? What the heck? They were a view to a kill and the reflex. Oh. <laughs> The ones I mentioned weren't even number ones. No. Okay. Very good. Well, and they're not even my favorite two songs. I mean, I didn't. They're not mine either. No, I like the ones that you said better. Uh, Paula, how many of those songs do you know? I know neither. (laughs) (laughs) Ryan, you a big Duran Duran fan? Well, no, but now that I just squashed Paula and was even wrong, I'm going to go with I know neither either, so we're in the same camp. (laughs) Hey, let's uh, let's answer a call for help here today on the show. And uh, 
Well, hold on, Joe. Hold, hold on. Do I get my props for winning, even though I went over, or does nobody win? You, you lost, dude. You went well, over. <laughs> it's a close lap going over. You're so damn proud of yourself, and you didn't well, even win. Way, I didn't get props even for being the closest one over. Nice job, Len. <laughs> <laughs> Is that good? Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> On Fridays here, we take a call for help. If you would like us to answer your call, head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash voicemail, and you'll get some free swag from the show. And this crazy group of participants, they will help me answer your question. And today we're throwing it out to Kevin. Say hi, Kevin. Hey, Joe and OG. This is Kevin from New Jersey. Uh, I'm an engineer. I'm in a really good position. I've been uh, working on my finances pretty well. And I'm set to retire at age 55, or at least be financially independent at age 55. And I'd really like to look at possibly a second career or another way to help other people. I really like finance, and I want to help others out. So what I'm looking for is some ideas from you guys. You know, what's what about like a second career or a volunteer opportunity to help people with financial planning? Not really interested in selling insurance or investments as much, but in helping people understand, you know, all the aspects of financial planning, the budgeting. Uh, the goal setting and that sort of stuff. So like some ideas you guys might have as far as volunteering or part-time work or full-time work or any, any other ideas you guys can give me. So thanks again, uh, avid listener, listen every week, three times. And uh, thanks for not teaching me much and have a good day. <laughs> thanks for the question, Kevin. Congratulations on the upcoming retirement. Uh, Paula, I think we'll start with you. Wh- what do you think? He's not interested in managing money. He says, he says selling investments but uh, what should he maybe look at? When he said financial planning, the first thing that popped into my head was financial planner. But Joe, I think you could talk to that quite a bit more. So instead, I guess what I'll say is the thing that I'm most familiar with, which is you could start a blog or a podcast or a YouTube channel about finance. So essentially, you could become a teacher over the internet, a mass market producer of content and teacher that shares what you know with the world. Nice. Yeah, I like that idea. Uh, Len, what do you think? I think Paula had a great answer. That's what I was going to say. But uh, so, so if I can come up with something different, I would recommend standing on the 405 freeway off ramp and putting a sign out saying free financial advice. And oranges. And you, can, and you can do it in 30 seconds or less while people are waiting for the red light to continue on their way. So that would be my second choice after blogging or podcasting. But talking about the 405, I mean, <laughs> just just working in your neighborhood, I mean, there's community centers, right? There's community centers. You can give uh, uh, a lot of community centers that people come talk. You can also help uh, people with their taxes. People understand their taxes. If he understands that part well, you can help them understand investments. Um, also, assisted living facilities. You can go in and, and uh, teach investment classes there to people, possibly. I mean, a lot of groups are always looking for volunteers to do that. When you talked about volunteers, Len, that's kind of what I thought. Okay. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Sounds good to me. Uh, but I think standing on the 405 at the off-ramp is a volunteer, too. <laughs> All right. So, Joe, I'm pretty sure that he hawked his wife's engagement ring because <laughs> he might already be on the 405 and just looking for friends. <laughs> exactly. Right. So Ryan, let's talk to this financial advisor thing. Cause that's what you do. Yeah. What do you think for, he doesn't really want to manage money though. So what do you think? I think it's awesome. First I'd say, Kevin, congratulations on hitting financial independence at 55. Um, it's a feat in its own. Um, so good job. 
doing a second career in financial planning, I think the way that financial planning is actually going to go is more along the lines of life planning. And there's some certifications out there like the registered life planner, which is an awesome thing. And it, it really helps clients hone in on what's important to them. What is their ideal life look like? And to match their money around their lifestyle and not the other way around. And um, it's actually interesting. You guys, a few weeks back, had the um, on Stacking Benjamins that answered three questions about money, something or other, forget the exact title, which kind of paraphrase some of that life planner work. And so I would tell Kevin, uh, if you really want to help people and make a difference in people's lives, you should become a life planner. How does he charge for that? Is that an hourly fee? You can charge however you'd like. An hourly fee, a one-time engagement fee. Um, usually it's broken up over like five meetings, especially if you don't want to manage money or sell products. It's actually extremely easy to set it up. And I believe that's where financial planning is heading. That's what true financial planning is going to be like. I had uh, people in my practice that were, Kevin, behind the scenes. And I was the person who was out front doing the the official money management, meeting with client stuff. My right-hand man at the end of my practice, his name was Todd. Todd built all the financial plans. He was a super smart guy, knew everything about financial planning. He was a guy that I trusted. He and I would do the strategies together, but then he would work with the software. He would go in and actually write the financial plan out. He and I would then go over the plan and then I would present the plan to the client and what they were doing there. Now, maybe that means that in some practices, you are on the inside of recommending investments. And if you don't want to do that, then that's not for you. But I thought of that too. If you want a non-selling role, but you're really interested in the how financial planning works and getting into the numbers, that's a good role for a lot of people. It's also a good role to kind of see how the business works because you're supporting a financial advisor you're not expected to do some of the rainmaking stuff, which is really the tough part of financial planning. And um, it's a good way to kind of get your feet wet and see the underbelly of, of the industry, all the parts of the job that really suck that people don't think about. Because it sounds great helping people with their money. But Ryan, as you know, there's there's parts of that job that sometimes are just a real pain. Yeah, the compliance side is always tough. They always treat you like you're Bernie Madoff, even though you're a small one-man shop trying to do the right thing. So some of the aspects are, are tough, but what you're describing is a paraplaner. All great planners that are expanding their business need help from people who want to work. So if, if Kevin, you want to be behind the scenes, paraplaner work is is readily available and that you could do that. And if you want to work with clients but not sell products, life planning probably sounds right up right up your alley. Paula, back to you on the blog and podcast thing, and I'm going to, Len, have you comment on this also. How much did it cost you to get your blog fired up? Initially, the initial cost was almost nothing, probably, well, maybe a hundred dollars. No, not even that. I don't remember. It was 2011, Joe, but almost nothing. Yeah, seriously. Uh, now, now it costs quite a bit more because now I need better hosting, better. I got to pay a lot for the email list. So now... I pay a lot of money. Yeah, that's because over time you've built your tribe, you've built a following, you you have traffic coming to your site. But exactly. It, but at the beginning, you had none of that. Exactly, exactly. And getting started cost almost nothing. But if, it, it cost it, a lot of time, but it cost zero, very little money. And Len, if he were going to go that route, let's say he wanted to blog about money or, or start a podcast, how did you begin to build your audience because you know at some point you're just a guy with no followers <laughs> just like today oh, just yeah. like today joe yeah, yeah right. so 
<laughs> There's a saying that you, if you put out good content, good quality content, the people will come. And it's it's true. It, it, I know it doesn't sound that way, but it will happen. And you just build on it. And the more you the more good quality content you have, the more people you get. And then they tell two friends and they tell two friends and so on and so on. And for startup costs, I, it cost me $20 my first month. $10 for a shared hosting. It was not the greatest, but when you're first starting out, it's all you need is shared hosting and 10 bucks for the domain name. And you're, you're ready to go. And it's $10 a month after that. But then like Paula said, once you get going, you need better hosting. You need you get to pay for your, your email lists and all that. And it, the expenses add up. But by then that's a good problem to have. Yeah. Yeah. But not glossing over it though. Like as Paula said, like time is your most precious resource. So it's not just a monetarily thing, and especially if you're financially independent, like the resources for finance wise is, is not a big deal. It's how much time do you want to put in? Because I can only imagine how much time you guys put into your, your stuff. Well, like, hey, I was doing this with I started mine. I was doing a full time job. So, you know, and, and I know um, the Colin. I, is it Kevin? Was yeah. that who the Colin? Kevin. Yeah, yeah Kevin. Uh, Kevin is going to be reti- if he's retiring, he's going to have plenty of time. So perfect. You know, it'd be awesome. Yeah, I think I think about Fritz Gilbert, who's just on the show, uh, Retirement Manifesto, who now in retirement has a lot more time to work on it. Interesting stuff. So it goes from one full time job to another one. That's what we're telling you to do, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> Start of a blog because it pays really well too, especially the first couple of years, right? Thanks for the question, Kevin. If you've got a question for us, head to stackybenjamins.com and at the top of the page, you'll see the questions for the show link. Just click that and we're happy to answer your question. And we'll send you some cool Stacky Benjamin swag. That's going to do it for today. So let's talk about what the heck you guys are up to. Uh, Mr. Penzo, what's going on at lempenzo.com? My 10th annual sandwich survey is out. So stop on by and see what the most economical sandwich is. And you're also going to hear Mr. Penzo talking about that on this show. As usual, as our annual. Very good. It's yeah. going to be very fun. I can't wait to hear. So don't stop by my site. Just just listen to Joe's podcast. <laughs> no. Stop by the site, please. Uh, Paula, what's going on at Afford Anything? We have an interview with Rand Fishkin, who is the founder of a company called Moz.com, and he's going to talk about the experience of starting a major company. Long story short, he got himself into about $500,000 of credit card debt, and in order to pull himself out of it, he doubled down on his hustle, started a company, and grew it to $45 million a year in revenue. So we're going to talk about how he did all of that. Did you say 500000 in credit card debt? Yeah. Yep. 500000 in credit card debt. Half a million. So his his journey went from 500k in credit card debt to a company that has 45 million in revenue annually. How do you get that much credit? Oh, see, but that's <laughs> but that's where Paula gets you. You got to listen to the damn show now. Exactly. So that is on the Afford Anything podcast. Awesome. Sounds awesome. Ryan, thanks a ton for hanging out with us, man. That was fun. Oh, of course. I, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Well, tell us what's coming up on Financial Residency Podcast. Yeah, so we just finished season one and uh, season two will be starting up pretty soon here. And uh, I'll be doing a segment on a financial plan live, basically on air for one of the listeners. So that's coming up the beginning of season two. Awesome. People love that. Seeing everybody else is what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that'll be cool. It's going to be super fun. We will link to all three of your stuff on our, on our, 
Oh my God. On our show notes page at stackingbenjamins.com. <laughs> Doug, take it from me. I'm, I'm, I'm please, losing. Doug, please I take it. I'm losing it quick, lad. Doug, take it for your man. What, what should we have learned today? Sure thing, Joe. Why don't you get back to seeing if you can still squeeze into those parachute pants? I'll tell everybody what they should have learned today. First, are you tired of the daily grind? Think big. Set a new path toward greatness. Sure, you might not reach all your goals, but think about how much more epic your life will be if you give it a shot. Second, interested in a career in the world of finance? There's a ton of roads to helping people with money beyond just becoming a financial advisor. From helping in community centers to blogs and financial coaching, there are a lot of ways to get your feet wet in the financial industry. But the big lesson? You should come sing Duran Duran songs with Joe's mom. She shreds the air guitar better than anyone I've ever seen. Lady is an animal. Special thanks to Ryan Inman for joining us on today's show. You'll find out more about Ryan's financial planning practice at physicianswealthservices.com. And you'll find his podcast, Financial Residency, wherever you're listening to us right now. Thanks to Kat Berman from C-Note for joining us on today's show. Find out more about how C-Note works at mycnote.com. Len Penzo appears courtesy of LenPenzo.com. Paula Pant appears courtesy of AffordAnything.com. This show was created by Joe Salcihai, produced by Richie Rutter-Reese, and engineered by the amazing Steve Stewart. Online, visit us on Twitter at at SBenjamin'sCast or on our Facebook page. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I really thought doing these credits completely naked would have been a lot more fun than it actually was. SB Podcasts may receive payment on the show from sponsors and guests in the form of books, giveaway items, discounts, or other remuneration. There's no way you would take advice from these dorks, but like Joe's mom always says, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only, and before making any financial moves, consult with a real financial advisor. Welcome to the after show, Ryan. This is a part of the show that doesn't exist. I don't know if you know this, but what happens in the after show stays here. So we don't, t- we don't talk. I mean, about I'm in the- Vegas, so it's all good. <laughs> 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 he, he already knows that. Yeah. I want to play you a clip. This is from Simon Laban, the lead singer of Duran Duran, talking about a time that, well, I'll just let you listen to the story. Winnipeg. We were in Winnipeg. It was 1980 something. And we went to, Simon and I actually went to a house party. And I suddenly realized it was about five o'clock in the morning. 
and I couldn't remember the name of our hotel. But somebody had lent me one of the kids' bicycles. So I, I was in some sort of satin Anthony Price you, suit you or something. Were, you, were, you were in the right state is what you were in, mate. <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> Cycling around Winnipeg, wondering where the hotel was. And I thought it was three blocks away and then turn right and you'd be there. But about half an hour later, I realized I'd cycled into some suburban area of Winnipeg and I had absolutely no idea where I was or what the name of the hotel was. And I didn't have any money either, but I did have a bicycle uh, that didn't belong to me. So eventually a taxi driver uh, came past. It was probably 5 a.m. in the morning and I managed to stop him. There wasn't anyone else around. And I said, well, can you start telling me the names of hotels? Uh, in, in your city and eventually I took a guess. I put the bicycle into the taxi, got there, borrowed some money from the guy on the desk. Then I had to find out where the address was that I was so that I could send the bicycle. That comes to us from Fuse, by the way. Uh, <laughs> 5 a.m. in the morning. Imagine you're on your way to work at 5 a.m. and here's Simon LeBon on a bicycle riding around your town has no idea what the hell he is. Yeah, that's, that's someone quote unquote lent him. Yeah. Uh, uh, Winnipeg. I don't know if you people in Winnipeg know that their town is called Winnipeg. Yes. We call this town Texicana, uh, where I live. <laughs> Paula, I know you have an incredible sense of direction. Tell me you've never been lost. Oh, I get lost all the time. Somehow I got lost and ended up on this show. <laughs> That's right. Like, And then she can't get out. <laughs> She's been trying for years to get out. Uh, Paula, you got a good story about getting lost? Oh, geez. I can't think of any specific story. What I can say is that oftentimes when I'm walking with a group of people, I will walk confidently in the front of the pack, having no <laughs> idea where I'm going. And so oftentimes I'm just, I'm just walking away, to total confidence, not paying any attention to my surroundings and leading everybody else astray along with me. How often are you actually going in the right direction when you do that? Yeah, I mean... We'll say maybe between one third to one half of the time, just by pure probability standards. You know, if you could either go left, right, or straight, then one third of the time you're going to accidentally go in the right direction. You got to be pretty fired up when you actually find your way. <laughs> I mean, half the time I never know where I'm supposed to be heading anyway. So no, no clue. You don't know, right. don't know where you should be going. I guess you can't really get lost on the way there. Len, you've never been lost. No, and this is, I, I really, I haven't that I can think of. I mean, hopelessly lost, but I will say this. Back before when it was a lot easier to get on airplanes and, and people could wait in the terminals. Remember that? Remember those days, Joe, when yes. it was so easy to fly and it was a real pleasure? And Anyways, this was back in uh, the probably the late 80s or early 90s. I got on the wrong airplane. I've done Honest that before, to too. Have you done that? I have, have done, done that? that. I got on the wrong. You know when they say, when you're on the plane and they'll say, this is your last chance. This plane is going to Detroit or wherever it's saying. And most people have realized, oh, ho, 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 you know, why would they say that? They did that to me. They said, this is your last chance. This plane is going to San Francisco. And I was like, wait a minute. I'm supposed to be going to Oakland. <laughs> so, and no kidding. I look at my ticket, you know, the, she said it's flight, blah, blah, blah to San Francisco. And I look at my ticket and, and I'm on flight, blah, blah, blah to Oakland. And I'm like, hold on. I'm on the wrong flight. I almost got on the wrong plane. Now, San Francisco, Oakland is not that big of a deal. Thank you know, but but uh, yeah, I actually got on the wrong plane and was sat down and they were ready to close the doors and leave. You wonder how they even took your ticket. That's what I yes. wondered. I'm like, how did I get by the because a gate agent very confidently let me through on a plane to Kansas City when I was going to Dallas. 
Okay. Yeah. Back in those days, because uh, I remember the gate agent, they were just, they look at your ticket and wave you through. This was back in, yeah. you know, way back when, but yeah. And they let me right on through the, right on the plane. Getting and if they the- wouldn't have said that, I'd have, I'd have been in the wrong, wrong place. <laughs> Great. Uh, Ryan, how about you? You've been lost? Well, I mean, thankfully Google Maps exists now for all of us and they you know, electronic ticketing doesn't allow us to get on wrong planes. So I haven't really been lost per se, at least something I could probably say on air, but, uh, yeah, I've got a little one that is like MacGyver. So there's our, our eighties, nineties reference, right? There it is. Uh, but he really is like MacGyver. We have like child locks everywhere. Like I've all got the locks where like my parents can't get out of the house, right. Or like friends, like they can't do it, but my kid can still do it. So I'm pretty sure he's going to like give me a run for the money and, and, and get lost quite a bit. What's but, amazing uh, about kids that age is you can, you can childproof the entire house except one thing. My kids, tell me if this is true for you too. My kids would always find the one thing that wasn't childproof. Yep. Like, yeah. It's like, if you want to childproof your house, I just tell my friends, like have, have my son come over. He's going <laughs> to maybe destroy something more than likely because his favorite noise is something breaking. So he would love to do that, but then he'll find where you're, you're good. And then, you know, if you forgot one little plastic little thing in the outlet, he'll find it. No big deal. We were in a, uh, uh, state park. What we used to do when I was growing up for fun was we would go in Michigan, they call it going up North. So we would go up North and we would mushroom hunt like for morel mushrooms. And everybody that mushroom hunts knows, by the way, I was at this podcasting conference last week. There was a woman there who had a mushroom and not like a psychedelic mushroom podcast. She had a mushroom podcast. Like there's a podcast for everything. If there's a mushroom podcast, it was pretty cool. I'm talking to her about, she's like, oh yeah, mushrooms that you eat, truffles, you know, all, all kinds of different things. But anyway, so everybody knows that if you go morel mushroom hunting, you'd never tell anybody where you go because they tend to spring up the same place every year so we've got this spot i still know where it is i can't tell you i'd have to kill you but we go mushroom hunting in this forest and if you go the wrong way if you get lost from the pack you can go i don't know 150 miles and there will be nothing i mean this is a monster state forest i got separated just screwing around i'm like nine years old and i couldn't find my family anywhere. All of a sudden they they go from there to gone. And I take off not knowing I'm taking off in completely the opposite direction. It turned out of my family and I'm screaming my head off for some reason they couldn't hear me. And by the way, I hadn't gotten any mushrooms at all. And mushroom hunting is the kind of thing where you either get a bunch or you get none. I hadn't gotten any. And the whole time I'm lost, I'm freaked out. But what else is the other thing that's bothering me? I saw loads of mushrooms <laughs> just like there's like <laughs> but i'm not stopping because i'm crying my eyes out and i'm sure that i am lost like my mom read me the riot act i am so sure i'm lost and i did the dumbest thing i just kept walking which they tell you not to do right you get lost don't keep walking i'm a nine-year-old kid i just kept walking and i walk i found this little two track the two track led to a bigger dirt road the bigger dirt road led to a big dirt road i turn a corner there's the car and about, I'm going to say, I thought you were going to say there's the 405 freeway. <laughs> there's a 405. And there's, <laughs> and Lynn's been taking notes this whole time, trying to figure out what else he can sell with oranges. So you got to tell him. <laughs> yeah. I turned a corner. There's a 405 freeway and there's Lynn selling oranges. I buy it. I get an orange from Lynn. I hand him a few morel mushrooms. Everything's, everything's good. We bartered. It's great. Talking about psychedelic story. 
Len, what the hell are you doing? Those ones aren't my Yeah, Len, what the hell are you doing in my thing? But anyway, I'm standing by the car, and I remember my family came up, and they were just jittery. I mean, they were. my mom was just despondent. She was beside herself. And they were coming to the car to go get help. And here I am, coolly standing beside the car. What took you so long? <laughs> oh, he found the car. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. My mom's like, oh, crap. He found the car. <laughs> <laughs> well, stackers, the show might be over, but the celebrations are just beginning because it is Military Appreciation Month that I want to celebrate people like my brother in law, Eric who is such a giving person. Eric will do just anything for you. And as a Marine, you can see that his time in the military taught him to be a guy who gives to his community, gives to his family, and is always there when you need them. This Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate members like Eric who go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Navy Federal's employees are part of the community they serve. Many of them are military family members, reservists, or veterans. And all branches of the military, veterans, DOD employees, and their families are eligible for Navy Federal membership. In fact, there are so many resources on the Navy Federal website. Resources like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate, and you'll see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.